Welcome to LilyPod episode 67, Woman Up, with Kathy Teichert and Stephanie Goodman. Jeff and Kathy Teichert, bringing you another episode of LilyPod, a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches, authors of the Amazon bestseller Intentional Courtship, and members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. Welcome back to another episode of I'm No Therapist, but today I have my dear friend with me, a return guest, Kathy Teichert. Yes. And Kathy is an author and a life coach and a podcast host. Oh my goodness, so many things. And we felt passionate that we want to share with you uh, a topic that that we feel is important, and that is to women up. Women up, yes. So, Kathy, what do you think women up is about? You know, we often hear it a man up, but we don't often hear women up because I think a lot of the times we are catered to. We People might feel sorry for us and and. We want to be sensitive to women, and so we don't really require much of them. But women up is the same as man up in terms of women being able to be their best and highest selves and be able to elevate their lives and and become and and live their their best life. Mm. And in doing so, you show up in the world in a healthy way of being in a relationship. Well, that's the only way to be in a healthy relationship is to be a healthy and whole person. Mm, I agree with that. And so we're going to talk about some of the things that we feel were helpful for us when we were in a situation of being in the singles world and wanting to attract a healthy relationship into our lives. So one of those things that I want to cover is I know when I was facing the idea of being a single mom again. Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember that I was driving down the street and I was having to look for daycare. Now, I prided myself on being able to be a stay-at-home mom for seven years. I Mm -hmm. raised these kids from home and the idea of turning them over to someone else to have to raise them really tore me apart. Having to find daycare to raise my family really tore me up. It made me feel like I had reached a level of, of losing in life, mm-hmm. right? And when I saw the kind of daycare that I was turning my children over to, I just went into a depression. Mm-hmm. And I started to cry. I remember sobbing in my car and thinking the world had turned on me. And I'd done everything that I thought that I could to keep a strong relationship for my family and nothing was working. Mm -hmm. I distinctly knew at that point though 
that I had a choice to make. Am I going to let these experiences bring me down? Was I going to take myself out of this life because I felt like maybe the world would be better and the kids would be able to be raised by their dad without the commotion of me being part of it? Like, I remember distinctly feeling this way. I actually had the same thought. The exact same thought. Well, that with the custody situation, I know their dad wanted time with them, and we ultimately decided on 50-50, and there was so much tension between us. I just thought, well, maybe it would be better for me to just go away. Right. Yeah, I remember that. Wow. So I, I felt like that experience helped me to have empathy for moms mm-hmm. and those that are facing that point of I just want peace in my life and maybe the kids will be better off without me so I distinctly remember driving down the street and I had these thoughts and I was so angry that I was at this point because I never signed up to be in a marriage to be divorced and no one ever does <laughs> ever No, that's not how my story was supposed to go. So I'm driving down the street and there was a sign that said, experiences in life will make a man bitter or better. And I add, it's my choice. Mm. I remember how distinctly profound that was to me to realize it was the letter I or the letter E that made an entire different path for me. You know, it's interesting because you told me before this episode that you're a visual learner. Mm, I am. (laughs) And I'm an auditory learner. Okay. I'm a professional violinist, and so I think when I hear things, they really stand out to me, and it was my best friend who told me the same thing. Wow. (laughs) So I decided at that point that whatever experiences I was going to have They were here to make me a better person. Wow. Yeah, and and it's interesting that we both had that same thought, that same statement come in the ways that we learn best. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. So can you share with me a little more detail about you being aware of making those choices? Well, uh, I guess every time I was tempted to feel better... (laughs) I'd think, okay. Which was often, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Then I'd think, okay, well, what can I do more constructively than that? Mm. Because really, it's never helpful to be bitter. I think it's a lot of dirty pain. You know, there's clean pain when we lose something we love, when we have the loss of a life that we thought we'd have. Um, uh, of course, we're going to feel pain, and we need to feel that pain. But the dirty pain sets in when we start to have judgments about it, when we start to have all these stories that we start creating and telling people, and it keeps us really stuck. Yes, yes. I really have never thought about that dirty pain Mm -hmm. and clean pain, but that makes a lot of sense. And holding on to grudges and using your stories to hurt someone else, that would be considered dirty pain, correct? You know, it's actually more uh, the kind of pain that we feel because of the thoughts we're having. And then though it creates those negative feelings rather than us just feeling 
very naturally about a loss that is happening. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's kind of like if someone's abused, that abusive situation isn't, isn't usually as painful as the aftermath of it. All the thoughts and feelings that come from that situation um, is usually what, what can last people for years and even decades of pain. And the clean pain is the, you know, that direct experience. The dirty pain is all the stuff that we, you know, all the stories we create around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can so see not that. necessarily to hurt other people. It actually ends up hurting us. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. The way that we protect ourselves actually ends up hurting ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So choice is definitely a strong point of woman up. Womaning up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, choice, intentional choice in the thoughts that we think, the words that we say, and the stories that we tell ourselves and others. Exactly. And so I want to go into another chapter of this, and which is going to be self-love. Self-love. I love, love, love (laughs) self-love. I think it's super important, and I think women tend to be really hard on themselves. Mm -hmm. And I know I used to be. And I, you know, I'm still working at it. I think it's a lifelong process, really. I agree with that. Um, But yeah, I think with that tendency, uh, we can just let that go if we choose to um, and choose a better way, which I think is kind of a sobering confidence. Um, That's my own personal definition of humility, which is I am aware of my weaknesses as a human that I maybe can't do it on my own, but I have the confidence that with God's help, I can do anything that I need to do. Where did you start to learn about self-love? Because I think as women, like you said, we suffer a lot from not allowing ourselves to, to speak kindly to ourselves, but it's so important to start from within. Mm-hmm. When did you learn about self-love? You know, I think after, you know, after my first divorce and during my second marriage, I learned um, a lot about energy work from his family. And <clears throat> this is one of the reasons why I think that short second marriage was important for me mm-hmm. to gain some new perspective and insights. And I started realizing that the energy I take into every day, my overall vibration is going to impact everyone around me. And if I want to really serve this world and, you know, and make it better, the most important thing is how I show up and how I show up will be deeply impacted by the thoughts I'm choosing and um, the energy and emotions I'm creating with that. I love that. So you know that you are in charge of how you show up in the world. Well, yeah, and I, I, no one else can be responsible for my emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. No one can be responsible for anyone else's. I mean, we can be in relationships to support one another in being responsible for our own emotional well-being, but we, we cannot control anyone else. I agree. So let's dive into a couple of steps. If you are starting new in wanting to like yourself because sometimes love can be really really heavy especially when you feel that life has been hard right Mm -hmm. how do we start to like ourselves how did you start to like yourself 
You know, the thought that came to me as you were asking that question was flips and flops. Have you ever heard of them? No, I've not heard of okay. flips and flops. Flips and flops. I think if a person really doesn't know where to start, I think there's a good reason to maybe be aware that two sides of the same characteristic can be uh, positive or negative, a strength or a weakness. Oh. Um, so, for instance, I'm a very organized person, you know, and I think a lot of people would see that as a strength in, in an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be a weakness if I get bent out of shape, if anything's out of place. Okay. Right. Yes. So this is just one example of many. Uh-huh. Um, and this can happen in marriages, in parent-child relationships, and even in our relationship with ourselves, that we can see our weakness or we can see our strength. If we can play from our weakness or we can play from our strength. And it's just two sides of the exact same coin. That is so fascinating. I would like to to look at that in my own life and realize, well, for instance, (laughs) I know that I struggle with time. Mm -hmm. My husband can vouch for it very strongly. However, because of that mentality, I'm easygoing. I'm willing to accept things. I'm optimistic. Things work out as they need to, and time doesn't matter. Right. And the strength would be you can focus on what you're doing completely and not be checking your watch constantly. Right. So that's maybe where you're playing from your strength. Uh huh. I yeah. love that. So one of the things that I learned to do very young was to do kind of a song. And I usually use a sentence, which is something as simple as I like myself. And I will emphasize each letter of that sentence and it makes a different sentence when you do that so for instance i like myself i like myself i like myself then i say i like myself i like myself i like myself and then i say (laughs) i like myself i like myself i like my Self. And then I start dancing to it because I'm having fun with it. <laughs> that's like, that's it's great. dorky, but it works for me. It moves me through that repetitive place of getting out of my own head trash. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, I had a mantra when I was uh, single after my divorce uh-huh. that I would say something to the effect of, my value is intact no matter what happens. My value is intact no matter what anyone else thinks. My value is intact no matter what I think. And so it is. <laughs> I love that. That is so powerful. Mm-hmm. No matter what you're experiencing, your value is intact. Mm-hmm. How did you come up with that? It just resonates with me. It's truth. And... Uh, so I, <clears throat> I'm sure it originated from somewhere, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's something I've adopted. And do you find yourself going back to that still? Yes. Yeah, definitely. In my car, I have gems. I actually picked up a, a Christmas ornament from Target, and it has some of my favorite colors. It has purple on the top and then blue and then green, and then kind of a light green. And I've attached a mantra 
or an affirmation to each one of those gems. And so each time that I'm in the car and I see those, I remind myself what they mean to me. Royal purple reminds me that I am a royal daughter of heavenly parents, Mm -hmm. right? And then the blue reminds me that I seek to be pure in heart in all that I do. And then the green is actually healthy, wealthy, and happy. Oh, I love that. And then the light green is kind of, that's my confidence. I am confident in Christ and my abilities. And then um, I complete it by I am Stephanie Goodman. And I... I am statements are so powerful. Yes. And then you attach them to something physical you see daily. So it's an easy reminder. That's great. Because when I'm in my level of self-confidence. I know that I show up better. I smile brighter. Mm -hmm. I'm looking to see how I can share my light with others around me in any way that I can be a gift to them. Mm -hmm. And that's the high vibrational energy that I was talking about where, you know, if your number one job every day is to be in a place of feeling good, you lift everyone around you. Mm -hmm. Could we dive into a little bit of your experience with energy? Sure. Where did... What, what's something that really struck you as an aha, that we are energy and that we have control of that energy? Well, you know, like I said, in my second marriage is when I first learned about energy work. And uh, it started with uh, studying Carol Tuttle's uh, energy profiling oh, system yeah. and, and understanding my energy and how how that affects how I show up in the world and started dressing my truth and putting on all that color (laughs) vibration that really serves me. Okay. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Carol Tuttle's dressing your truth, she has broken down a personality into certain kinds of numbers. And depending on that numbers, talks about your strengths, your weaknesses, how you show up in the world, how you deal with conflict, and also the colors that you are drawn to. Yeah, and what colors would will naturally uh, affect the energy in your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and empower you to to be more authentic. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, did you find authenticity in her program in uh, your own life? Well, I I started with a her book, Remembering Wholeness. Okay. And uh, you know, I think when we've gone through a divorce, we can feel very broken. Yes. And so remembering wholeness is, you know, that concept of I'm already whole. I just need to remember I am, mm. you know, not that I'm broken, but that I've been whole this entire time. It just yes. felt, I just felt broken. Have you ever heard the analogy of the $20 bill? Uh, no, tell me. Okay. So if you take a $20 bill and you crumple it up in your hand, is it still $20 bill? You know, I'm not a good person to ask because of that organizational thing in mine. I like my, you know, crisp bills. <laughs> <laughs> I know it spends the same, but exactly, I prefer it nice and flat and crisp. <laughs> if I take that same $20 bill and I drop it into a puddle of mud, mm-hmm. Does it lessen the value of that $20 bill? No, it still still spends the same. Yeah, it does. It spends the same. And if I received something like that, you know, as a gift, I would appreciate it just as much as a crisp bill. (laughs) There we go. Now we know you need to have clean, fresh, crisp bills. (laughs) That's your love language. (laughs) 
<laughs> Not really, but you know, it's just a preference. That's right. So my purpose of bringing the $20 bill up is, is basically saying again that no matter what has happened to you or what's to happen to you, your value is intact. Yeah. And you know, I have to say, I, I had this beautiful Christmas tree skirt that was made by the grandmother, like my former uh, grandmother-in-law, I, I guess you okay. could say. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, shortly after our divorce, I accidentally vacuumed up a little corner of it and it, it kind of caught on fire and it, it made, it just singed the edge of it a little bit. And I remember just being devastated because she's not even around anymore. It's not replaceable. It's, you know, priceless. Mm -hmm. And I actually remember that weekend going up in fast and testimony meeting and bearing my testimony that when we have instances in life that scar us, you know, when we feel like we're not quite as beautiful as we once were, that in many ways, it can actually make us even more beautiful because of the way we can apply the atonement to it. And mm-hmm. every year when I put out that skirt, I think of that that knowledge and awareness that came to me through that experience and how we can do the same thing with ourselves. That, you know, when we've been through, you know, experiences that we think might make us less attractive, I think it actually does the opposite. I really do. I think that when we go through hard times like that, it is preparing us to be brave, to step into our power, and to become who we were meant to be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, if you think of it, um, when we see the Christus, those nails are in his hands, and they're there because that was his mission. And, you know, we're all here with our own, you know, individualized missions as well right and sometimes we can't see that the pain that we're experiencing is actually rebuilding us Mm -hmm. i love the saying that what a caterpillar calls the end of the world the master calls a butterfly this is why the butterfly is so important in my life because to me it represents transmission a trans transition trans Transformation. Ooh, transformation. Yes. Yes. And transformation happens in our lives all the time. It can feel like there is an end to a chapter and that we have no purpose, that it is the end of the world. But because of our faith and trusting God, He has better plans for us than we are even aware of. I totally believe that. And I, I also believe that if, if someone's experienced widowhood, divorce, maybe they're in their 30s and 40s, not yet married and would like to be, you know, all of those experiences and so much more, right? I mean, there's just, there's, there's so many things we can go through in life that are really painful and that we might think threw us off track, Mm -hmm. that we might think uh, this couldn't have been the plan. (laughs) I think if it's if it was in our life it was part of the plan yes i agree with that it's hard it's hard when we don't know the answer and i also think that it's not only part of the plan and it wasn't to make us miserable it was make it was to make us better better and prepared for a brighter future and not bitter yeah 
I love that. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah, this is great discussion. It is so delicious. Yeah. So I want to go into another chapter of our Women Up. And I really feel that this is, this is a passionate part of my heart. And that is the power of forgiveness. It's a big one. That can be really hard for a lot of people. And, you know, it's funny because letting go is not difficult. Uh, you know, as, as my husband Jeff has said in a previous podcast of ours on Lillipod, you know, if you let go of a helium balloon, it just floats up to the sky. That's not hard. Mm-hmm. If you let go of a bowling ball and it falls to the ground, that's not hard. Right. So why is it hard to let go of things that are painful for us? Yeah. Why do we feel that we are in charge of holding on to the pain for someone else to be disciplined? You know, I think, you know, I, I, I want to say this because I think it could be part of the woman up journey for each of us as women um, to be able to take a situation that we've hurt someone else and repent because we feel really sorry. I think there's a natural humility in that that allows us to take advantage of the atonement. And it can even be as if it never happened when we really do the repentance process uh, sincerely. Mm-hmm. I think it can be harder to take adva- full advantage of the atonement that is there for us to heal when other people have made choices that hurt us. And yet we know that's there. We know that the atonement is there for that purpose. Why would he atone for our, you know, sinners and not for the sins that, you know, the the effects of those sins, right? Right, yeah. And yet I think it's just it's harder to be humble enough to take advantage of it when it's not our fault. Mm-hmm. And we want it to not be our problem. It's and, true. And yet no matter whose choice it was, if it's our pain, it's ours to deal with. And that's just the truth of it. I love that you went to a space of recognizing when we have done something and how we desire to have that removed from us, how we desire to be forgiven for that. And that we can take that empathy and turn that into some of the people that have hurt us and what we want to experience for them. Mm I, I have been very passionate about forgiveness but I do remember a time when when I held off on forgiveness when I felt like there is no way that I'm strong enough to be able to forgive that person for the things that I think that they should be asking me for forgiveness mm-hmm. do you remember a situation like that uh, yeah I'm actually still in one um, I'll admit it I'm human. Mm-hmm. I'm still working through the layers of forgiving someone, um, maybe even two people, I would say. But I, I mean, I, I'm to the point where I, I wish them well. I don't wish them evil. I don't wish them hellfire and damnation or anything. And I also <laughs> don't think they owe me an apology because it's really not about them. It's about my heart. And I don't think anyone can really ever do that work for us, whether they apologize or not. If we're experiencing hurt and pain from someone else's actions, it's our responsibility to decide what we're going to do with that. Again, goes back to the bitter or better. Yes, very much so. 
I learned that holding on to a grudge, a grudge is very much like drinking poison mm-hmm. and hoping the other person will die. Yeah, it never happens. It doesn't work. <laughs> no, I think when we can step back from all of those stories we tell about, you know, people we may have grievances with and realize how much we're hurting ourselves, that's when we can start to, to apply more self-love, to apply more compassionate forgiveness and, um, and start to let go. Mm-hmm. It might be in layers but we can at least start that process. And I know that if we can pray for it sincerely, I do believe God can help us with that. I mean, he asks us to forgive, and if it seems really hard, he can help us. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought up just let to let go. Um, there was actually a movie that was very profound in my journey of learning to forgive, and that was the movie Just Let Go. Are you familiar with I this am. movie? Yes, the, the book and the movie. Yes. Uh-huh. The story, the real life story of a man whose car was struck around Christmas time, if mm-hmm. I remember right, and lost half of his family, including his expectant wife, to a drunk driver. Yeah. And had the chance to really get gain from that situation and to... Um, to put this young man in jail for a very long time for murder. Mm-hmm. And yet he chose to open up his heart to be understanding and be involved with this young man's life. Yeah. And I believe he ended up going to jail and he would visit him. He ministered to him. Yes. Um, I know we have heard of a circumstance where uh, someone was called to be the bishop in a ward where his former spouse and the man he cheated on, she cheated on him with, were in their ward. And he figured out how to minister to them as well. Wow. Can you imagine? Talk about the trials. I mean, I think those kind of examples, those extreme examples, can give us just a hint of an idea of what's humanly possible mm-hmm. and give us all a little bit more hope about whatever we're trying to get over and let go of. That's exactly right. And that's why that movie was profound for me because I felt if he can forgive this boy for the horrendous things of taking his family away, then I can forgive my situation and I can be strong enough to do that. Well, and I think it frees us up to live our best life. Because we're no longer hung up on trying to figure out what happened or make sense of something that just can't be made sense of. We can accept that it was part of our path and we can learn what we're meant to learn. In fact, I think as soon as we've learned what we are supposed to learn, that's when things shift for us. Yeah. Yeah. I learned in that course that forgiveness is actually a muscle. Hmm. So if we go into the gym of forgiveness... Okay, we go into the gym of forgiveness and we will go to the biggest weight that's in there. Like say the 350 pound weight. Mm -hmm. And we will pick that up and we will struggle with all our might to try and pick it up, even off the ground, just a little bit. And then we'll throw it down on the ground and we'll think, oh, it was so heavy. I'm never going to do that again. I can never do that, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we do with forgiveness is we think of the heaviest thing that we can do and we think there is no way that I have the strength to be able to forgive. 
that person for what they did. Mm -hmm. But when we realize that it's a muscle, we go to the smallest things. And I, I touch my heart, the smallest things. Start working on what we can forgive ourselves for. Absolutely, because I think usually, in especially in divorce situations, and this is something as I've been coaching my clients who are in situations where they're trying to figure out, okay, what was my part? What was their part? What can I control? What can I not? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the this awareness starts to happen, and then shame can set in, I think, from that awareness very easily, especially when, oh... I'm now horrified because this this perpetrator, this person that I thought had done me so much wrong, all of a sudden I'm realizing maybe I had a little little part in that, not in their behavior, not ever in theirs, but in my response to it. Mm-hmm. And in what ways have I hurt myself? Oh yes. gosh, now I've got to forgive that. Right. And I think that is where we start because if we can forgive that, then I think though that I think that's the the lighter weight, you know, the okay, you know what? I want to feel better about this. Now it doesn't mean it's easy, and even those lightweights sometimes we don't do those either, you know. But I I do think that is the place to start, mm-hmm. because again, it's kind of like one of those things where if if the energy I show up with each day impacts everyone around me, the amount to which I forgive myself and give myself grace is the amount to which I extend to others too. Mm, that is so powerful. And realizing that if we really do want to show up the best that we can, forgiveness is a strong, strong tool that we can use. Mm-hmm. Do you know that our brain actually starts to rewire itself when we mention the word forgiveness? Hmm, tell me about this. Scientifically, they have proven that when a person says the word forgiveness and they they don't know how it happens the brain starts to rewire itself how so do we know we have no idea it's a chemical something it's really incredible Well, i think that can be true of most words actually and that's why words are so important to be intentional about choosing Mm -hmm. because there's some words that can bring our vibration down yes and words that can bring our vibration up right and I, I think that different words have different energy levels. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I, I think gratitude, I, I know, is very high on the vibration scale. And Definitely. anything with like hate, envy, mm-hmm. jealousy, very low. Have you heard of the practice of Ho'oponopono? I have. Tell me more about it. So I, I don't know exactly uh, the steps, but... What I work on myself mm-hmm. is, I'm sorry. So, so for instance, I'm going to take someone that I feel angry at or that I've felt hurt, and I'm going to bring their spirit into the room, and I'm going to run through this concept. Mm-hmm. Okay? So think of someone that maybe we can work on. Okay. Okay. Can I close my eyes and do this? Yes, you okay. can. Okay, awesome. Yes, you can. So... We're going to start with the first step, which is, I'm sorry. But this seems really heavy in the beginning, but when we break it down into a place of empathy, I'm sorry that you didn't receive the love that you needed to. I'm sorry that I didn't know how to love you the way that you needed to be loved. 
I'm sorry that maybe your parents didn't know how to love you the way that you needed to be loved. Now we're going to go into thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to learn how to love myself. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to open my heart more because of the things that I experienced. Oh, that feels so good. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know if you were done, but that felt complete for me. That's only two steps of, really? of five. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, I'm sure our listeners could look it up and do Definitely. more, unless you want to go more Definitely. into it. That was so cool. So the idea is to remove yourself from the hatred, but really kind of, and I honestly will kind of visualize a young child, mm -hmm. male or female, whoever, whoever it is, because a child doesn't know what they're doing. Well, and whenever we're misbehaving, we're usually acting from our child selves anyway. This is so true. Yeah. This is why it's important not to do anything rash when you're in a temporary emotion. Yes, definitely. Uh, now, now, I actually would just love to say that as part of womening up, woman up. Womening up. <laughs> yes. Hashtag women up. <laughs> For those of us who are in relationships. Or even if we're considering being in a relationship, mm -hmm. to set a very clear parameter for not engaging when you're in a bad place because it does nothing but damage and harm and it, it doesn't give you the space to get into a better place so you can be more productive in your conversations. And <clears throat> I think that's something we as women can have a powerful influence when we, we bring to the table this idea that, you know what, let's take a time out when we need to and let's not do damage you know and I and and your partner may or may not be willing and so that may or may not be a deal breaker but it can at least be an influence we can have in our relationships if our partner is willing and it can it can actually make a difference between whether a marriage can make it or not thank you for going down some some learning steps with me on that and now we're going to go into a fun one I like to call it curds to flirt. I love that. It is so important as women that we use our power of flirtation, right? Yeah, and to be confident in our abilities to interact uh -huh. with men, especially if it's been years since we've gone on a first date, that can be really intimidating. This we can, is very true. And fear is one of the, the number one things that can get in the way of developing new relationships. Yes. Um, in our, our book, Intentional Courtship, we, we talk quite a bit about that fear and how to overcome it because that's the thing that gets in the way. And, and courage, you know, is kind of the, it's not the opposite of fear, but it's the willingness to face the fear. Yes. And usually it's not ever as bad as we think, right? This I mean, is so true. <laughs> I know I tell my own children, you know, like, oh, well, let's try this, and they freak out, and then they try it, and it's never that bad. And I think even as adults, we do the same thing. This is so true. I love the analogy that fear is false evidence mm. appearing real. Exactly. <sighs> How often are we faced, like you said, with a fear that really once we get through it, we realize it wasn't as bad as we thought it was. Right. So first steps into flirtation. 
right? <laughs> well, and some of us might be more confident about that naturally than others. Um, you know, and whether you're introverted or extroverted, I think it's a matter of realizing that we have this subtle power to let men know when we're interested. And uh, it's, it's a dropping the handkerchief theory that, you know, in the good old fashioned days, you'd drop your handkerchief and then the man would come and pick it up and then you'd be able to start a conversation very naturally, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was, it, it's, it's, it's a measure to invite that conversation. And when we invite that conversation, what we do is we also empower men. Um, because men are also terrified. They're scared. This is so true. And, and I'm glad that you brought yeah. that up. They are terrified. They have no idea how to approach this woman that maybe they're interested in. So we give them an in. We, <laughs> we give them an in. And, you know, we don't have to be taking on their role, but we can take on our role of inviting opening the doors yes so some of those steps are and and this is something that I like to do is actually eye to eye mm-hmm. right there's so much in the eye and the soul and the light in the eye that I enjoy and I feel like speaks from the inside out so eye contact I'm not flirting <laughs> with you right now <laughs> we're just connecting <laughs> right and this is an important part of it is is connection yeah so the baby steps into flirting is connection well and you know when we interviewed dr greg barra on our podcast um he's the author of real love he said it's actually best if you can practice real love with the same with same-sex friends because it takes all that pressure off of the male-female relationship and dynamic. Oh, my goodness. And so, you know, even with us, like, looking into each other's uh-huh. eyes and connecting, I mean, this is the kind of practice that women could have with each other and, and that men could also have with each other. I mean, not maybe in the same way. Uh, obviously, we're different. But being able to connect authentically with same-sex friends is actually a really great way to to maybe get, gain the courage to do so with the opposite sex. Wow, I've never thought of role-playing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and not even just role-playing, but actually just developing genuine friendships. And okay. the thing is, we need that in our lives anyway. Yes, we do. Especially if we're single and or, or single parents, and all we do is talk to children all day. We need some adult yes. conversation, and so we can do that. Even yeah. if we're not ready for dating necessarily yet, we can do that with friends. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think another step of flirting is getting to know someone. Find out their stories. Somebody said the shortest link between two people is a story. Ah, yeah. And I mean, how, how many stories have we related over? I mean, some things we've found in common as we've been talking. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, and it brings your heart closer to, to a realization that we're not so different. Yeah, know, and this is where I'd like to kind of circle back a little bit with just make sure that your stories are serving you. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that they're stories that serve your highest good and your highest potential. It's interesting that you brought that up because, again, with forgiveness, if you have moved through the process of forgiveness, you still have your stories, mm-hmm. right? You don't, you don't forget those stories. But you'll tell them differently, as you get more healed. 
That's as exactly you right. remember more of your wholeness. Yeah. The stories are there for a purpose. Mm-hmm. As long as they don't destroy or derail you from where you want to go. Yeah. Well, and, and what I mean by stories, I mean the interpretations, like that we put on this, the actual fact of the situations we've experienced. Um, those stories can shift and transition to serve us better mm-hmm. if we are intentional about it. Yeah. Yeah. So. so how do you find yourself flirting with your husband and keeping your love alive? Actually, role play is fun. <laughs> you know, you know, when, and I actually heard this, uh, some off, off camera between you and your husband. I mean, pretend you're not married. You're the hot, sexy girlfriend, you know, like that's, that's fun. We yes. go out every week and we try to, you know, be like, you know, why we were dating again, you yes. know, when we weren't married and we didn't have all this other stuff. Yes. Put aside the phones, you know, make it, you know, some quality time. Just like you did when you were dating. Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself, do you ever go back to some of the places that you were dating? Yeah, definitely. That first restaurant we met at, we go out back to frequently. They know that we have our special place and they try to sit us there as often as possible. Oh, that's so fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. So my husband and I, we just got an opportunity to go out and uh, he put it on the calendar that, April Fool's was going to be our hot date. Ah. And honestly, saying that on the calendar <clears throat> made me be in a mentality of preparing. Yeah. So when that hot date was coming up, I was thinking, okay, I want to be showered. I want to have my hair just right. I want to mm-hmm. wear the right outfit. I want to make sure I'm wearing perfume. Right? So making plans, making fun plans. Yes. Yeah. And anticipating <clears throat> that. I'm going to be picked up with this really cute guy, and are we going to get along? Are we going to yeah. have good conversations? You know, and that's also part of uh, Woman Up is, you know, being able to dress up and look our best and feel really confident in, you know, putting our best foot forward. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we might have some wrinkles, but you know what? That came with some wisdom. And I think that makes <laughs> us really beautiful. Yes, I agree with that. And stretch marks, I remember when I was looking at being married again, there were times that I felt like because of my past experience that who's going to love me? Who's going to love a body of mine who's been through three C-sections, right? Someone who would reach out to you and say, you look like a fun mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Someone who recognizes that's your life. Because they're not focused on my flaws. And we need to stop being focused on our flaws. I need to stop being focused on my flaws and allow myself to show up with mm. with who I have in my life and the potential that I have to bring. It's not a hard or difficult thing to become the best version of ourselves. It's actually really fun and exciting and elevating and empowering. Mm. Yeah. I so. love that you were you used the word empowering. Do you have an icon in your life that you find yourself embracing when you're needing that extra power? What do you mean icon? Well, for instance, I love Wonder Woman. Ah, (laughs) Wonder Woman. When I need extra power in my life, do you know that I will actually stand in the Wonder Woman stance? And I will (laughs) breathe in a Wonder Woman in the way that I think a Wonder Woman would breathe. And I, I try to envelop that confidence in my life 
huh, actually I don't. I should get one. (laughs) (laughs) But I do know that sometimes I do self-checks. Like I look in the mirror and if I can say, I love you, Kathy, you know, I, how uncomfortable am I? Mm -hmm. And if I'm uncomfortable, I've got some work to do. Yeah. And I know the first time I ever tried it, it was felt absurd. So strange. <laughs> but it's something I'd actually encourage our listeners to try. Mm-hmm. And if it feels uncomfortable, that's okay. But work on it. Right. That's where I go to the I like myself. Because yeah. sometimes love is really, like you said, very uncomfortable. But we can all start with I like. Well, and sometimes, actually, we might love someone and not like them. So I think it's important to like ourselves, too. (laughs) This is a very good point. (laughs) So we can start with gratitude. I know for myself, I like to start from my head, being grateful for my thoughts and the way that I have memories and the way that I show up in the world. And, Mm -hmm. And then being grateful for my eyes the way that I see the world, seeing the details of life, the way that I speak, I use my voice in kind ways. There's, what, three things already that I can give myself gratitude. Wow. Yeah, definitely. And I, for anyone like currently experiencing what we call the ache, I mean, when you're freshly divorced and it hurts, physically hurts Mm. to have been rejected. Yes. um, Gratitude journal. It is the hardest thing I had ever done is to do a gratitude journal when I was going through that divorce and I felt like absolutely everything in my life was chaos and wrong. Wow. But every day that I made the effort to think of just the tiniest minute things I could be grateful for, I started to realize, wow, there's a lot. There's a lot. And I, but I couldn't feel it until I started to intentionally think it. And so I'd encourage anyone experiencing the ache to do that. To do a gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done a write and burn? Yes. In fact, I once wrote down a whole list of things that I was like really upset about, um, about a particular topic. And then I wrote the opposites, like the things I would rather be experiencing on the other side. I ripped it in half. And then I kept the, the things I wanted to create. Uh-huh. And I took that other half. And uh, I think it was winter, and so I didn't go burn it. <laughs> but what I did is I ripped it up into tiny pieces. I threw it on the floor, and I started stomping on Ooh. it. Um, and while I was doing this silly little dance on my kitchen <laughs> floor, I felt the spirit come all over my body. Like, this is right. This is right to let go of these nasty thoughts that have been plaguing me. And then I gathered them up, and I didn't let them stay in my house. I took them out, all the way out to the outside garbage, and it felt good. That is so powerful. Mm-hmm. I've know, I know that I've been enjoying the practice of write and burn, mm-hmm. and actually yeah, I use my iPad. I use my iPad, and there's a sketch part on there, and I know... For me, because I am not the best speller, mm-hmm. that I can get after myself for not spelling things right. So I give myself permission to just write. And actually, I don't even look at what I'm writing. But the idea is to get the thoughts from my head out through my the palm of my fingers. And I will write using every color that I feel. If I'm feeling angry, then I'll use red. Mm-hmm. 
and if I'm feeling maybe cold, then I'll use blue, whatever I feel like at mm -hmm. that time, and just write everything that comes to me. I'll turn it and write this way over the top. So basically what I'm doing is doing a collage, so much so of all this garbage that I can't read it. Mm -hmm. It's not purposeful. And when I feel like I've finally gotten to a place where I'm, I've thrown my fit, right? And now I'm feeling a space of peace. Now I'm going to take a black marker and I'm going to color everything. So I have a new canvas to work on. Hmm. And now because I'm an artist, I'll usually doodle a butterfly, a cat, something simple that brings me joy. A transformation. That you just made in your head. Yes. <laughs> That's great. And it transforms my energy and my thoughts. That's great. That's wonderful. So there's so many things we can do to women up. This is so true. The, I, I think the biggest part is that you know whose you are. And mm -hmm. you know who you are. And you show up in that way the best that you can. And when we love who we are, then we attract love into our life we do yeah and we live with that love loving energy and that's that's one other thing I learned when I was single is that it's it's one of the best times to be in a loving energy of God himself of Christ and be able to access that as a single person um, is so powerful when we long for but don't have it from a partner mm -hmm. and it can be, I think, one of the best times for us to really hone that skill, yeah. you know, that muscle yes. um, to live in the energy of love. And I, I do believe that we came to this earth with access to that love. All the other, all the love we'll ever need is inside of us. We came with it and then we share it with others as an energy. And um, that's really powerful. And then we show up to a relationship healed whole and with love in us not trying to take it from someone but living in that energy that we can both give and receive it um with it already being there yes i i love i love your heart first of all i love the way that you have embodied an, an empathy for others going through hard times and you genuinely care for them I can feel that I'm so grateful to have you on here today I'm so grateful to be able to share this space with you and to go into these conversations of things that we've learned and I hope that it is helpful for you take a notepad share some of the things that you have learned um, also I would like to open the time to Kathy to talk about her her outreach and how you can contact her. Loveinlateryears.com is our website. And this organization that my husband and I created to uh, initially to, to sell our book that we wrote, Intentional Courtship, A Mid-Singles Guide to Peace, Progress, and Pairing Up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's the book we wish we would have had when we were divorced and single and dating again. And for anyone who is not ready to date yet that might be in that circumstance, that book is still for you because it's comprehensive and the first eight chapters are all about finding peace, forgiveness, all of the, a lot of the stuff that we talked about today. 
And um, then we started LilyPod, which is our podcast, which is on, you know, any of the apps, whatever your favorite one is. Right. <laughs> and uh, LilyTube is our YouTube channel. And then we have a weekly Lily letter that we send out to subscribers. Everything can be found on our website. And um, we're also on all the social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Our group is 1,300 members and counting. And it is really a place where both men and women, married and single, are gathering together to talk about how to be more productive in developing love in and for our later years of of life. And it's really for anybody beyond the possibility of a first marriage in their 20s, Mm -hmm. because just love and relationships get more complicated after that. And it's a place where we can both man up and woman up and live our best life. And my husband and I are life coaches, too. And so we, we love working with people individually. So if anybody's interested in that, they can reach out. Oh, I love that. And it is a community of support, which is so healing, especially when you're in a place of, of that really hard, hard trial in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Thank you for being here, Kathy. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to another episode of LilyPod. And remember... Any time is a great time for more love in your life. Subscribe to LilyPod and get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, give us a positive review. We want to reach as many mid-singles and later married couples as possible, so please share this podcast with those you love. To access fabulous free content like written articles and YouTube videos on LilyTube, and to learn about our book Intentional Courtship and Lily Coaching Services, visit loveinlateryears.com.